Hey everyone, I am the Chosen One Legend here, as always joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Kai, also known as Fasca Ryan. And welcome back to the Bunch of Jokers podcast where, big surprise, we're here to talk about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 again. Because it, <laughs> it never dies. Not for us. We um, This time around, we are here to look at the gameplay specifically. We're going to be breaking down sort of the various gameplay elements, what we think of it as a whole, and just give all of our thoughts. And just in general, I mean, to start things off with a sort of general look, we both said in our sort of first review of Xenoblade 3 that we thought the gameplay was probably the strongest in the series. And I definitely stand by that. It is really good all around. Yeah, um, every game has its features in what it does for the gameplay. Mm. And, you know, this one also has its own features. But the ones in this one, I think combined with just how updated the, the game's engine is and, and the core mechanics of the game, the new additions yeah. they add and the gameplay in this one just feels so much more fluid. Um, so I definitely think there's praise to be said about that. Absolutely. Like, I, I enjoy each game's combat system for its own merits. I still like what 1 and 2 do differently. But when it comes to, like, overall polish and refinement, that's where I think Freeze particularly feels... You can tell that they've made, they've learned lessons and they're continuing to become better developers. And they were already great to start with, you know. Uh, so there is a lot of great stuff to talk about here. There will be timestamps in the description below, so if you want to jump about between the different sections of the gameplay, you can do so there. But let's just get started. We've sort of broken it down, and the first thing I want to talk about is the combat. Uh, on its core level, just the general sense of the combat you get in this game. And generally it feels, it's more in line with 2, of course, how you've got these quick inputs rather than selecting from a menu. Mm -hmm. But it's very fluid, and one of the things that first stood out to me was how the characters from Keves have Xenoblade 1-style arts that charge, and the characters from Agnes have Xenoblade 2-style arts. Mm -hmm. Just the way that, it's a small detail, but it just goes to show that the way they're incorporating story into gameplay straight off of the bat, that stood out to me very early on, like, I'm, in, I'm gonna like this gameplay from that alone. <laughs> yeah, I find it quite funny how, like, when you you make the distinctions between Xenoblade 1s and 2s sort of showing in, in Xenoblade 3, I feel like it actually mm. shows more in the gameplay than it does in, in the story in terms of, like, how the Xenoblade 1 and 2 have different mechanics. Um, yeah. Because the whole system in the gameplay is about, you know, using both and, and fusing them together. And I think one cool thing is even uh, on the side of the screen where you've got your character's health and stuff, um, I saw someone point out that Xenoblade 1s has the character portraits, Xenoblade 2 has the names, and Xenoblade 3 has both. And it's just an example of, like, they really are mm. just saying, like, we're going to take both the systems we've used so far and mash them together. But, like, we made it good. <laughs> yes. And another part of this that I like on that note is how we've got in this game both the smash, um, break, topple, launch, smash combo and the break, topple, daze ad with additional burst combo. And the fact that you can use both and sort of mix and match depending on the situation, you can set your party to focus on a certain one. I mean, it's not a huge deal, but it's really nice having different options and how you use those rather than just follow one set route. It kind of allowed you to mix up a little bit more, which I appreciated. Yeah, the the system really allows for you to be fluid in how you play and, and adapt different uh, sort of gameplay styles. So I really do like that and how it doesn't just make you do one thing or like... 
even if you are, let's say even if you are just playing as like Noah the mm. whole game, it's not just, it, it's not like only playing as Rex or Shulk in the other games where you've got one specific set of things to do. Yeah. Generally in this game, you're, you're going to be having more options that the game pushes you towards, which I do like. It is cool. And I, while we're on the topic of the combos, I do want to especially mention launching, how they spin. I'm glad that that's still there and it's amazing. Just watching, yes. watching them go. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> But uh, um... yeah, launch is amazing. They did change actually um, how Smash uh, works a little bit in this game because they, you know, it wasn't the only uh, combo ender. Um, mm. But I like how that's there. I like how Burst was introduced to like finish off days so that the two sides are kind of equal. Um, I think they did a really good job on that combo front. You know, it's simple, but allowing both options is nice. Yeah, and what you said about the game generally giving you more options, even if you're playing as Noah, that's sort of a good point to mention the whole fusion art system, where you can, and we'll get into like classes and that later on the line, but how you can take these arts that you've learned and sort of mix and match, and basically every character has, uh, it's sort of like what they did with the Blade system in Xenoblade 2, but taking it to another level, where every character can play completely differently, depending on what sort of setup you want to give them, not just do you make them an attacker, defender, or healer, but do you make them an attacker with this kind of focus on arts around you, or buffs, or just strong hits, or combos? You really can mix and match, and if you want to leave it to automatic, you can, because there's a lot to focus on, and sometimes it does get too much, so you can sort of leave it for the game to pick, thankfully. But just the option that you, yeah. if you want to go deep into it, there's a lot for you to dive there. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like one of the best parts of that is that when, when doing that, you don't have to, like, choose a specific blade, then set the arts, and, and you know, then you have to stick with that blade and mm. everything. You can just be like, okay, well, as soon as I've, you know, worked on this class a bit, that art is now this character's to keep forever. You don't need to yes. keep switching to, like, <laughs> a different blade or whatever. It's just it's just more fluid, and, and like you say, with auto-build, it just makes all of it really clean. It does. Um, the gameplay, the, the, the fusion arts feel good. Um, you know, how you sort of put them together and there's the combined effects. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that part of the game. Yes, the, the one last thing I want to mention about the combat, which uh, is something that felt almost like Free's new gimmick in the sense, when it comes to the basic level of combat, which is how you had this whole thing of rings around you. I can't remember there's a specific name for them, but you have like an air of effect thing where if you stand in these rings they heal you, or you get attack buffs, or you get defense buffs, or whatever it may be. There were all sorts of effects involved around these. And I quite liked how that really added a level of positioning being important, beyond just this attack does break from the side. Now you might want to switch over... Of course, we didn't even mention the fact you can switch between characters in this game, which is a first on the fly. <laughs> um, but if you want to move your yeah. characters to this healing ring, you can do so. It it makes combat feel a bit more involved in the movement aspect, which I appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a good point. Um, the, the rings are weird to me, because I almost... I look at them and I think, how have they only just been introduced in this game? Yeah. Because they seem almost like such an obvious step forward that, you know, when the game places emphasis on, oh, you've got to attack from behind here, you've got to attack from the side here, mm. um, to get these bonus effects... 
like and, and the, the type of battle system where it's dynamic and everyone's moving around it's not a turn-based combat of course you want to have rings for like zones of effect so that positional well i just say positioning is is important it, it just seems like such an obvious step forward and i'm glad that they introduced it because it just makes so much sense it's a very clear indicator on buffs rather than just a little bits out the side by your portrait having like this big ring in the middle you know exactly what it is and where it where it does they have the whole color coordination so you can quickly tell if it's healing or attack whatever and it's just it's i'm not gonna lie it's just satisfying to see like six rings piled up on each other overlapping it always looks cool <laughs> yeah very very true it's just nice to i don't know something satisfying about them isn't there it is yes but do you have anything else to say about basic combat kai um I suppose quick move is a thing. Um, oh, yeah. I like that quick move <laughs> is there. Uh, I thought that I was not going to use it for the whole game. I did end up using it a lot, mm. just around different areas. Because um, for some reason the AO uses it to like move to revive people. I guess it's maybe quicker than just running in some circumstances. Yeah. Um, but no, I liked it. I think I thought it was really good for like getting from the side to the front or the side to the back. Um it was just a great way to make the most of those positional arts again and, and, you know, having your positioning really matter. So I suppose there's that. Yeah, that's a good point. That was a nice addition. And, yeah. and oh, yep. I guess that's... I'm trying to think if... Uh, eh, no, that can be mentioned in the next section, actually. Well, let's get ahead then, because the next section we're getting to is chain attacks. Of course they're back. And of course they have to whole, throw us a whole new gimmick at them, which I definitely liked because rather than dealing with, you know, elemental orbs like in two this time around, you each take a turn, but by filling up the meter to a certain point, you can do more damage and get more people back with higher numbers to keep it going for even longer. And I'll admit, at first I was like, what the heck is this? I don't understand the thing. But after, <laughs> thankfully... as this game, I guess I might as well mention it now, this game has better tutorials. <laughs> I'll shove it in here. They yes, actually... The tutorials are phenomenal. They are very helpful. Maybe even a bit too handholdy at the start, but it's better that than the alternative. And I was able to... They're all listed in the menu, so you can look at them at any time. And I did, and I read through, and I fully understood it. And once you get going, it's just a full-on yippee moment. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely concur on the tutorials. It's... I think the only part I didn't like from them is in chapter two when you unlock class changing and it's like, go to this character, do this, go to this yes, character, do this, and you true. sit there for like 10 minutes. But apart from that, yeah, having the fact that you can review them seems obvious, but again, it's nice that it's there contrary to Xenoblade 2. Mm. Um, and the fact that you have those little like simulation zones where you can, you know, make sure that the game's actually doing it well, rather than Xenoblade 2 where everyone was like, I don't know what arts cancelling is yet. I'm just going to assume that I'm doing it when I'm not. <laughs> yes. Uh, th this game actually gives you a zone where you can make sure that you actually are doing it. But um, yeah, that, that does carry over to Chain Attacks, which are definitely the most complex in the series, but also just the best. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much flair and personality to it with like... I mean, I hate to be the person to make this comparison, but you know, it's got like sort of the persona, you know, all-out all attack vibe with like little portraits mm. coming in at the sides. Of course, there's so many iconic <laughs> voice lines there. The fact it has its own unique music, which is a banger. I do wish, I have to say, of course, people have mentioned it before, that I wish it didn't play in certain boss fights, <laughs> because 
<laughs> it can ruin the mood when you're in like a really intense fight, and then just kicks in and it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's great that it happened. A toggle would have been appreciated. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. I think they've like stopped it at one point in like the final boss or something. It doesn't play, but they could have used a few more instances of that. But all in all, it's just hmm. it's a vibe. The entire thing. It just feels great. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's it's just a really good feeling thing. It's it's like you said, it's difficult at first because there's so much going on, but you very quickly get to grips with it, mm. and then as you go through uh, the chapters, you do slowly unlock like little bits more to it that just make it stronger. And uh, it's just it's so good. It's I, I mean they're, they're definitely the most powerful chain attacks in the series, I think, because. Um, and this is the thing I was hesitating on mentioning earlier, mm. is the revival system in the game. Yes. And how in the other two games, you know, you've got your party gauge, which you build up, and then it's like, well, you know, you can use all three for a chain attack, but that's risky because that's also your revival gauge. Um, mm. So, you know, watch out. But of course, this game has just healers reviving as a completely separate thing. The two don't overlap. Yes. Meaning that actually you can just uh, <laughs> chain attack free of worrying about revival uh, so you know the fact that there's no risk associated with chain attacks makes them really strong and then top off the damage as well and it's just yeah they're super strong it is yeah and of course like the way that you can how you approach the chain attack differs depending on the hero in your party and whatnot you know of course so you've got different orders and different effects some of which are very powerful, especially... I guess we won't, we won't spoil mm-hmm. it in case, because it's gameplay discussion, but certain post-game characters and stuff can do real numbers for your chain attacks. It kind of... They can. It builds up, <laughs> and it's great. Um, but actually, one thing... I didn't actually write this down as a section, but I'm, I'm sort of thinking we could probably sort of incorporate this now, is the whole element of gameplay, which is your Ouroboros forms, you know, which... <laughs> mm-hmm. Which can... As well as, oh, wow, that's not in the list. No, I didn't yeah. put that in the list. Um, <laughs> of course, it's a big new mechanic where your characters will fuse and you have your whole new section of arts with what can do crazy effects. Mm-hmm. And in Chain Attack specifically, you get Ouroboros Orders where that's when the numbers really pile up when you finish off with one of those. It, it, like, it's nothing too complex. It's just kind of like a new set of arts that do big damage. But it's nice. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a good one. I think the real good thing about it is that, of course, in this game, one of the other things is that you have six party members out at all times. Mm. You don't pick three of them, uh, which which I love. I love the fact that you can play as the whole cast. Yes, um, it is great. And I, I was always wishing... My dream in Xenoblade 1 was always that, like, for the final boss, they let you use all the party members, and same for Xenoblade 2. Um, so it's actually amazing that they let you do it for the whole game here. It's such a treat. It is. Um, but it's sort of, you know, it might be like, oh, there's too much chaos going on and stuff like that. But the the see the introduction of Ouroboros as a gameplay mechanic means that, you know, two characters fuse into one. So it's less of, you've got six characters and then it's suddenly, oh, you've got four, but then you've also got a really strong Ouroboros with you. And it kind of makes it so that it doesn't seem as chaotic and it, and it sort of levels itself out. Um, But Mm. on top of that, just how strong the Ouroboros is is very satisfying. The fact that they don't exactly have a health gauge, so you can kind of clutch a lot of situations you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. It definitely feels satisfying in that aspect. Yeah. Uh, The amount of times I comboed Uni and Uni's Ouroboros 
uh, with Liberty Wing, which revives everyone yeah, straight it's... into a chain attack. <laughs> that is a good I use move. that in like every tough fight, and it's just amazing. Um, yeah. So yeah, Ouroboros really added an extra layer to the combat again of like choosing when to use it and stuff like that. Um, mm. It's kind of like, like almost like a, I don't know what you'd want to call it, but like it's almost a talent art that just has like a extended period of time over it, kind of like I don't know, transformation, final smashes, which is a bit of a <laughs> abstract thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, but it just. Yeah, it, it felt good. Um, I felt like it added that extra layer. It was solid. Yeah, and there was a bit of customization in there as well, especially with like the skill tree. Um, of course, we've all got tired of hearing, a new power, a new power, <laughs> over and over. Whoa, but... <laughs> new power. It's... Whoa, new power. <laughs> that could have used Whoa. a few more voice lines <laughs> in that instance. But, you know, we got three jump voice lines per character, so, you know, they, they mixed... They put them in some places, at least. <laughs> we got zero falling voice lines until they patched it in. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And then we got um, Senna's yeah. pain scream, which hurts your soul. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it was definitely, definitely fun, the Ouroboros. And mm-hmm. another big new mechanic in Xenoblade 3, of course, is the hero system. So whereas you can only play as six characters, uh, you unlock more heroes throughout the game who can mix and match as your seventh party member that you don't control. And just in general, it being a cool way to have, I guess kind of like how the blade system allowed you to have many different more extra characters get involved. This did the same way that you got to see different characters Mm. you met from the story who, even though you can't play as them, they were still involved in combat and still felt like they were part of the team. But in general, it was just nice to see more of these characters. Um, of course, we're, we're going to break down the characters themselves more in some heroes discussions. We're going to probably do a series of shorts where we break them down into specifics. We'd be here a while if we did that now. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the ability to, like, do you want to go with someone who just has some really cool arts you can use? Or do you want to go with someone who just looks cool in your party and they're your favourite character? Whichever way it works, you know, it's just nice to have the mm-hmm. options. <laughs> Yeah, I think my favourite part about it was that, of course, I play these games to 100% them mm. to an extent. And so with the main six cast, I was, because I was so overleveled, I was very rarely worried about, like, oh, balancing out the team. And it was more just, for completionist's sake, what do I think is the most efficient route to get them levelled up and who should they all play as? Yeah. So whenever there was an imbalance in the main six's classes, oh, you just add any hero in and, mm. you know, whoever fits the situation... And there you go, there's your coverage. Um, so I actually really enjoyed it, just because it made up for any weaknesses that the rest of the team had at the time. Uh, again, you can just switch them in and out, no punishment. It's just really easy, simple to do. Um, the fact that they all have their own stories and part in it is great. It's just... yeah. The, the heroes were such a good decision to add. Um, like I said, they are like the Blades, but sort of another step forward and a lot more accessible in general so <laughs> it's just yes yeah very accessible unlocking by story-based side quests is better than gacha oh, so much. <laughs> it really is yeah <laughs> i uh i still mm-hmm. you know i got every hero in this game no problem i still have not got like four blades in xenoblade 2 so you know it's <laughs> that mm. that's and like, oh I, I've, I've gotten all the blades in xenoblade 2 twice it's not worth it no <laughs> never did get cosmos um mm. of course but despite the mm. fact I've played it like three times and I've only played Xenoblade 3 once but there you go that just shows the improvement here it's it's so much more <laughs> fluid like we were saying earlier it's it's a great system and even like 
having like the little bits of character banter between them when you've got a new m- member in, they all have, because they have such great stories, it's just a joy to see them interacting in the party or little things they're doing at like the camps and that. We haven't mentioned the camp system, but there's, mm-hmm. there's not too much to it. It's just a way to level up if you need to. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely had a lot of personality to them. And of course, the big advantage of as well as playing as heroes is we're going to transition here into the class system where every character mm-hmm. can be any class, hypothetically. They, you inherit them from your new from characters who join your hero. One person will inherit the class and others can learn it by playing with that hero, which is what you were saying about picking a hero based on how to balance your party right. But yes, it's it was a really neat addition. You know, on some level, you do lose a bit where each character does lose a bit of their standard. You know, like in Xenoblade One, Shulk plays like Shulk and Shara plays like Shara. They're all very unique. Here it is, of course, yeah. anyone can be anything. But I will take that just for the amount of options it gives you. And the way that, as we mentioned earlier, refusion arts, the arts that you inherit from these classes become part of your full-time arsenal for your second row of arts. You really can make any character anything you want them to be. And you get loads of cool-looking costumes with it as well. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a step up from 2 because it's... The thing about the Xenoblade 2 is, like, it, it does sort of give the similar appearance of, like you know, look how much you can customise these characters and mm. give them different roles and, and everything with all these different uh, sort of gameplay-based supports. Um, and I definitely see what they were going for into, and I appreciate that, and it kind of worked. But not completely, because what you found is that people very quickly figured out that based on what those characters' inherent traits were and how they handled each class, what arts they had, mm. that like, oh, you know... Rex only does well with like standard attacking classes and uh, like Mega Lancers or something, and then Zeke you give the rest of the attacking blades to, Nier you give all the healing blades to. Yeah, it very much just becomes that. Whereas in this game, although the characters do have um, inherent abilities in each class, they do not matter. No, <laughs> so minimal that like it's as you say, anyone can be any class, and you don't feel like you're being stunted in your gameplay ability for it. Um, the just the I mean the amount of options is amazing. I think you, I don't know the exact maths on it, but if you were to multiply the amount of uh, different combinations in the game of what you could do, it it'd be a big number. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, it was just overall like a really solid system. Again, the drip, like you say, because <laughs> I know people were like, oh, you know, there, there weren't like, of course, there are DLC costumes now in the Land of Challenge. Um, mm. in terms of Wait, are there? Yep, you got the swimsuits. <laughs> there are. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, How can you forget, Kai? Um, I, I actually forgot, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, Xenoblade 1 had a huge array of different costumes people could wear, mm. and that was really cool. Uh, and people were like, oh, is it going to be in Xenoblade 3? And then you realise everyone can change into each other's clothes. Yes. And then it's like, oh, that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, I love all the drip. Um it's nice. I, get, I, I think even to this point, there's a couple classes that really stand out as like highlights, and just overall though, mm. I, I think that it's really fun. Yeah, it's there's certainly some really nice looking outfits you can get, and of course you can mm-hmm. you can choose your outfit separate to your class at a certain point quite early on, which yes. is nice. So if you if you don't want characters dressed as Yum Chef in important cutscenes, <laughs> you, you can change that. Although <laughs> I'd recommend it. It's amazing. Well, the, the... <laughs> 
Yeah, Yum Smith. I had Yum, Yum Smith, Smith as a, in, in a couple cutscenes, and it's it's a lot of fun. I think um one of my other favorite parts of that is not only the outfits and the classes though, is that in every game it's like in in basically every JRPG it's the question of when you're making these characters and their gameplay, mm. what weapons do you include? Because every game's gonna have like your sword fighter, but then it's like, do you have a mage? If you have yes. a mage, do they have a tome or a cane? If you have your thief, do they have like a dagger? Do you have a character with a katana? Do you have a character with a rifle? What kind of rifle? Um, there's all of that. So this game, having every class have also a unique weapon type, yeah, it's like that's just <clears> the best <throat> of everything because it just adds all these different creative types of weapons and how they're used in battle. So, you know, it's not just narrow in terms of you've got your sword fighter and then all your other basic classes. Or in Xenoblade 2, where I think there's I think there's only like maybe 15 or so weapon types. Um, mm -hmm. If you you count like, you know, the unique ones. This game's just got a ton of them that everyone can use. And I, I really like the creativity front that that brings. Yeah, it is very neat seeing all the different varieties. It's Again, it's just there's so many options to this. And... Mm -hmm. it's it's fun like just to balance it out like if you want like it, I okay I want to make I've got this new class so I want to Tyon's the inheritor so I want to make him the class okay my team's a bit more balanced now so I'm going to change this person over to this class and hey I'm, that will match up well if I put this person on this class it, the way that you can sort of mm -hmm. build that and keep moving and manipulating your team along the fly that was really fun to do and uh, definitely one of the highlights of the game so the, the class system was very strong yeah um, mm -hmm. Now, next thing I want to talk about here is uh, the exploration side of things. And there's not too much to go into here. Of course, it's, it's always, you're exploring a big world, it's always beautiful. We've, we've gone on about the soundtrack and the environments and the visuals a lot, you know. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. there are some new mechanics here in gameplay terms. Of course, you've got things like climbing back. But I like how we brought the... Um, Zip lining thing back, which was in like one tiny bit of yeah. Xenoblade 2 in Mordain. <laughs> if yeah, I remember correctly. they just were like, Yeah, we'll make this a mechanic. Yeah. It's, it's super fun. It is. So I like it. Plus, there's some great voice lines as they go down it. So <laughs> that's always fun as well. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense in some areas to have that because, yeah. of course, because of the nature of Ionios, there are like floating rocks and stuff everywhere, like the Syrah hovering reefs. Mm. So it just makes sense to be like, oh yeah, the, I mean, zip lines, that's how you get around, you know. Yes, taking the hovering reefs, but rather than teleporting, you just get to zip line down around them. That is definitely neat. Mm -hmm. Also, swimming, and I, I guess we could have put this in combat, but the fact you can fight in the water this time around as well is uh, <laughs> an interesting thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's very funny in some circumstances, it, it, I say that. It is. It took me off guard. <laughs> the first time, because quite early on, the game sends you to like kill some piranhas in water or something. And I was like, okay, I need to lure... I was thinking, you know, standard. Okay, I'll lure them out. They're too far to lure away. Why won't they... Wait a second! <laughs> it was... Uh, <laughs> it was fun. Um, and, of course, speaking of the water... We get a boat. <laughs> you get to sail around mm. on a boat this time around, which, when you think about it, that's such a common JRPG trope. It's kind of surprising it hasn't happened yet in Xenoblade. We're only missing, like, an airship at this point. But uh... I, I was just about to say that's <laughs> yeah. what we're missing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great that they had that for an area as big as, you know, um, Everfear Sea. You need it. It would be so painful mm -hmm. without it. Um, it doesn't control perfectly but it's fun and it definitely gives you that exploring the ocean vibe 
Yeah, I, I, I just think it feels great. It all does give this Wind Waker feel very quickly to it of all these different islands to explore and everything. Um, uh, I do have my own gripes with not really the area, but the fact that the game doesn't tell you it'll fill in the map when you uh, get all the landmarks and locations. I wish it told me we've been through this story. I'm not going to read it again. But, um, Repressed yeah, trauma coming back. Apart from that, yeah, outside of that trauma, um, yeah, it just felt good to like ride around in a ship. I like how it has its own unique theme. We've talked about the Great Sea Stars and how good that is. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was just nice. It was a nice inclusion. Um, and, and one of the other big things about exploration in this game is that I definitely feel like the areas were the most designed to explore mm. in a way yeah like the fact that you've got things like the the trick caverns was unironically maybe my favorite my favorite new inclusion in the game it was cool yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were like this really simple puzzle it's like something you'd find at the beginning of a latent game but like i don't know man every time i saw it i was like yes <laughs> we got a trick cavern i can do this really simple puzzle yes i don't i, I wish there was more because i just became addicted to them immediately um, and what kept wanting to find the next one. But, um, yeah, they, just the way that they made the different routes in this game, they made a couple of those, like, almost like mini dungeons that had a unique theme as well. Mm. Uh, elite monsters really added to the overworld by giving you an extra incentive to fight random groups of enemies if one of them was a leader. Yeah. Um, without having to make, like, a million unique monsters. So, yeah, just, I think the exploration in this game was the most solid it's been so far. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was just a joy to explore this world. I mean, we've mentioned before how, you know, some the way that, like, some of the areas are so huge and have multiple different terrains all in one is really neat. It's just, yeah, some of the visuals and aspects of this game were just, it was fun. And it's also, I want to specifically mention here, there's none of the bullshit that Xenoblade 2 had with the, um, oh, what do you call it, where you had to have, like, level 3 something to break down a tree. Oh, yeah, the, skill, field, the field skills. Field skills, yes. Goodness or to open me. a treasure chest. And all of that. None of that Not here. Picking. Thank goodness. Oh, Just yeah. switching in your blades to get the right combos and realising you don't have it and having to grind up affinity charts. <laughs> <laughs> so much more fluid, like we said. <laughs> Yeah, they just, they're like, no, we're not going to do that. It was tedious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and dumb. Uh, so let's just, let's just not include it. Maybe not including things is a better choice sometimes. I'm glad that they decided that. Very true. And uh, on that note of being more fluid around, um, just to talk a little bit about the UI. Of course, the UI is always pretty good in Xenoblade games, but I like the menu, how it has its own menu theme, which is really chill. It's mm-hmm. it's very simple to sort things out without again because, partly because of the tutorials but that are always available. But in general, it's never complicated switching your arts around or changing your classes. It's just it's very simple and easy. And even things like the maps, I feel like feel generally less confusing than twos were at times. The fact that unique monsters when you defeat them become skip travel points as well. When it came to exploring and organising menus, it was definitely the most fluid that it's been in the Xenoblade game, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I really like the design in terms of how it plays into the story as well, because mm. that the menu is essentially just every character tapping into their iris, and I think yes. the menu theme is actually called Iris Network, so 
yeah, it's just like, oh, it's, you know, it makes sense why there's actually a menu in the game. You don't normally need reasoning for that, but it's cool that they did it. Um, so there's that. Uh, I, I just think overall the menu operates well. The auto-build function, like we said earlier, is just an absolute lifesaver yeah. and saving you time. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's all laid out well. They include all the information you need. It's it's nice. Um, doesn't do anything like phenomenally out of this world, but it's 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 a menu. I don't know what you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. It does its job, and that's what it needs to do without being confusing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, no complaints there. It's it's very good and. Even outside of that, in, in gameplay, I feel like the UI for the enemies and stuff was really good. Yes. Um, the fact that you can now see their enemy type, it tells you, um, you can, when it's like charging up a big attack, it will tell you, so you have like a split second to panic. Um, mm. Yeah, I think everything they did in terms of the UI was just really solid here. They, they really uh, made sure to do a good job of it, we'll say. Yeah, they've mastered the arts. I not just well, not the arts, the art of the UI here. But, um, mm-hmm. and on that note, part of course of the big deal of the UI is organizing your quests, and that's gonna be our sort of final topic here I want to talk about in general, is the side quests of Xenoblade 3, the, all the optional content outside of the main story. It's continuing the train of what we've been saying in the last, I was gonna say the last 10 minutes, but really the entire discussion. It's so much more accessible than twos, and also ones, how you can you can actually find quests. You don't have to deal with having the right blade at the right time all the time. You don't have to deal with this NPCs at a specific point at 3 a.m. like in Xenoblade 1. Good luck finding him. <laughs> There's none of the generic yeah. beat this monster quest there. Or the fact that it relegates the generic quest to the Collectopedia cards is genius. And that's just that whole mm-hmm. system of making sure that stuff you're just yeah. filling in the background. It's just so... This is the first time I've 100 percented the Xenoblade game for a reason. The side quests are easy. Well, not necessarily too easy, but they're accessible. And <laughs> it's so good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very accessible is a good way to put it. Mm. Um, they're all pretty straightforward in terms of what they want. It's always... I feel like it's always pretty straightforward in that it, it all just wants you to either talk to someone, do a battle, or collect items. Mm. Um, but there's no shame in that. They add good stories alongside that, and that's yeah. really the point of the side quests, I feel. Um, yeah, I think that was really solid, and... I think how they divided it into colonies in this game was very clever, because the other games had, you know, your regions, your titans, um, but the fact that this game just has, like, more colonies that are smaller and sort of more focused on certain things, um, it actually gave a lot more light to the NPCs and and everything, so I, I really liked how they divided all that up in this game. Yeah, it did a very good job of using the side quests to expand the world, and I think they've They've been gradually getting better at that game from Xenoblade 1, where a lot of the side quests were very generic. Xenoblade 2 sort of improved that a bit. Mm-hmm. Of course, Torna had the strongest, you know, being dedicated a lot around side quests. And then 3 continues that train, and yeah, it was just, there was never too comp. There was only, okay, there was like one or two instances. Of course, if you've done the Armu farming quest, that was bullshit. <laughs> and there's like. That could have been improved. Yeah, there's like, there's like two or three. I think I only had to Google, like, two instances, and that was it. Compared to the, you know, copious amount of Googling you would need to do to figure out certain Blade quests in Xenoblade 2 and whatnot, and how certain ones require awkwardness, like, you know, Ursula's quest. If you don't get it early on, that's going to be a pain. There's none of that. Nothing's overcomplicated, but nothing's boring either. 
they've sort of struck a good balance and uh i'm glad to see that because that was you know one of the uh biggest outliers in previous games probably and they definitely smoothed over this time around <laughs> yeah they definitely made the side quests feel really good um of course the hero quests kind of like what we mentioned earlier with mm. each of them having story um hero quests make up a lot of it just because there's so many heroes, they all have their ascension quests, they all have fully, like, voiced scenes and cutscenes and yeah. all of it. It's like, wow, they really like to flesh out this this world in terms of its characters. Uh, I like that. Um, I think the only thing in terms of, like, gameplay as a whole that I would have liked them to improve on or add, I should say, is I would have... I, I, I kind of wish there were, like, mini-games in Xenoblade 3. Or just oh, in yeah. Xenoblade. Because Xenoblade is is a you know there's a lot of JRPG series that do have mini games you know certain ones have like Triple Triad the cards game in in Final Fantasy uh, you know there's the classic like fishing mini games and stuff like that and, mm. and when doing the army ranching I was just kind of thinking the the game doesn't need this by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> and maybe it wouldn't make the game better but like I don't know man I like fishing mini games and the, the trick cabins really. Uh, sort of pampered me, I don't know. No, that's that's <laughs> honestly a good point. I I mean, I've recently finished playing uh, Crisis Core, and of course Final Fantasy is known for its mini-games. You have things like the squats in Final Fantasy VII, uh, both Remake and Crisis Core as well, mm -hmm. which, it's so silly, but it's just, it's got so much personality. And I feel like Xenoblade would benefit from something along those lines. Like, I mean, we didn't even mention, you know, things like cooking with Manana. What if there was, like... I mean, you wouldn't want it for everything because it would take forever to make basic buff dishes. But if there was like some sort of cooking mini game you could do with her, that just was like an extra thing. Yeah, there were definitely options they could have done. If, yeah. yeah, even if like each hero, maybe that would been too much, had like some small mini game that they could do when you go and visit them in their in their um, colony. Or something along those lines. Uh, I think it would have been possible for yeah. each colony to have like something small, even if it was just like really, really minimal. Or I don't know. I mean, maybe the fact that that's what we have to go for to say like <laughs> this is what needs to be improved on, though. Yeah, it's just adding something that the series has never had and doesn't need. I think speaks volumes itself. Exactly, and I, I, as as we're on that note, I think that pretty much brings us to the end. Unless do you have any final thoughts you want to mention about the gameplay, Kai? Any any last holdouts? Um, just that I think it's really good mm. uh, in terms of its exploration. I love the dynamic uh, text, how, how everyone on the screen will talk as you're exploring. There's like a million yes. optional dialogue for like different heroes mm. and, and like, you know, when they're talking to characters in different areas in the world, some of them are completely unexpected. Yeah. Um, so just, just all of that, you know, how much... How much there's going on in the game while still feeling very understandable uh, is definitely something I appreciate. Yeah, and also I didn't really mention, I like the whole thing of the information points where you see characters talking and how that can lead to quests, but also just fun optional bits of dialogue that give you a bit of experience or whatever, but just flesh out little character moments as well. There's a oh, lot of attention to also detail. Also, speaking of that, mm. um, Monolith... Let us level down before the post game. <laughs> okay, okay, one. yeah. That's actually yeah. my biggest gripe. That's true. I was over leveled the whole game. Let, why would you take it out? It was really good in Xenoblade Definitive Edition. Anyway, that that's it. Yes. They, they had they added it in post game, which I think upsets me even more because they they had it in the game and they chose not to give it to me. Yeah. Let me be my completionist self before the post game. At please. least they didn't save it to New Game Plus <laughs> like Xenoblade Two did. 
But uh, yeah, it, it, oh, that's true. It yeah. should have been from the start. There's there's no reason really for it not to be there. But uh, that's the big. That's our yeah. only yeah. Xenoblade Four. If it doesn't have that, we're not playing it. That's yeah. We're out. That's a mm, that's a lie. Simple. <laughs> we can't help ourselves. <laughs> but yes, this as I, as we said, the gameplay has been great. It's just other than I mean, the two big things are one, of course, it's very refined. It's a lot smoother and more accessible this time around. But also in general, I like how they keep doing something different. Even though, I, as much as I love Xenoblade 3's combat, if we get a Xenoblade 4 or another Xeno game or whatever it ends up being, I want them to keep doing different combat systems that use arts, use chain attacks, but continue to implement them in different ways. I don't know how many more times they can keep doing it so well, but uh, <laughs> I hope they keep going down that train, because mm. thus far, it's great that every game has its unique properties that make it fun to play, because as good as this is, you know, I, I miss elemental orbs and the crazy chain attacks and the button mashing you can do in Xenoblade 2 and the blade system. I miss parts of Xenoblade 1 and how each character was their completely unique thing and had their own special, had some more unique gimmicks. Like, I don't know why this is the first gimmick I thought of because people don't like it, but Charlotte's cooldown or whatever, you know. <laughs> but so I, each game still has its own merits, which is the coolest part. So as much as we love freeze, twos and ones are still great. And if they keep doing that, we're in for a great, continued series down the line for sure yeah I, who even knows what they can do at this point but we, we know they'll find a way they'll definitely they find will. a way and yeah the other plea which we will be talking about in a future video is if they sort of transfer this to a Warriors game then that'd be great oh there's, god yes there's so many things <laughs> they can do with the gameplay there yeah. so it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what gets transferred over true and that's a good advertisement to uh, thank you all for watching and do stay tuned to Bunch of Jokers here on Spotify and Google Podcasts for audio only versions or on YouTube we have visuals as well all under the name Bunch of Jokers because we're going to be doing more Xenoblade content, of course. We've got one main video planned, which will be our future of the series discussion, where we go into what might happen after Xenoblade 3 and potential Xenoblade spin-offs or what the future of Xeno series is in general. We're planning to do some, a series of hero shorts at some point, where we'll dive into each character in a little bit more detail on their own to break those down. And of course, as things like the more DLC comes out, we'll be covering that as well. Not to mention non-Xenoblade stuff, like our regular monthly podcast talking about the news. We've got things like Tears of the Kingdom coming out, Fire Emblem Engage, there's all sorts. So we're going to be very busy over the rest of this year. And not only that, Kai, where else can people find you at? Uh, they can find me at twitch.tv forward slash Feskarine. Uh, I'm still just playing for a bunch of random things. It's mm -hmm. fun. <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, I've been looking at a bunch of different things. Um, been doing a couple new ideas and we'll be bringing a couple new ones in as well. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, check it out if you feel like it. Also, the YouTube videos are still running. Uh, I just recently finished editing the main series for my Xenoblade 3 playthrough. Nice. Um, so they're just going to be uploading daily for the next month or so. Um, so, you know, that's fun. Um, it's, yeah, just all my experiences and, and everything are all there, you know. As much as I talk about all of my thoughts in these videos, I've reiterated all of this about seven times in those highlights, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fun to see. Yeah, definitely go check those out for some uh, raw reactions. There's some good moments, particularly, of seeing Kai react to stuff. Of course, there'll be links in the description <laughs> below to all of that. And also a link to our friend Sam's Twitter, who makes all our thumbnails, and he's made our logo, 
and he might finish Xenoblade 3 this year we'll find out continue to tweet at him mm-hmm. to finish the game you know but don't spoil him or we will kill you <laughs> but that is pretty much it so thank you all so much for watching and we will see you guys in the next video goodbye bye